And then last week, oh, that's right, we didn't do anything. Yeah, we canceled because we thought we were going to get hit by the hurricane. So what I want to do this week is I want to, I want to do the, the third part, which is go the extra mile in giving. And then next week is the really tough one. Go the extra mile in forgiving. Yeah, some of you hesitated there. But that's next Sunday. So the plan actually was next, last Sunday I was going to talk about go the extra mile in giving. And uh, I was at that time going to remind you that this Sunday and over this weekend, all of our offering that comes in is not going into the church general fund, but everything that comes in is going into our outreach to those in need, Grace Care. And so, so now I am aware of the fact that um, since we had to shut down last week, a lot of you have switched your habits and uh, you give online now electronically or you mail your offering to us. We don't pass offering buckets anymore. Um, but I will just remind you that there are offering boxes by the two doors I'm pointing to. And there's one on the wall by the main door as you leave this morning. And also to let you know that any giving that comes in anyway through the mail or electronically over the next couple of days through Monday and Tuesday and in the past few days, all of that will go into the Grace Care offering, okay? So that's, uh, that's where we're at today. So today I want to talk about go-to in giving, but before I come down to the subject of, to the um, detail of my teaching, I want to introduce you to a lady who's here with us today who's got uh, an amazing story of how God helped her and blessed her through a really difficult time in her life through our Grace Care Ministry. So Lauren, I didn't see where you ended up. There you are. Come on up and join me. Come on over. Make yourself at home. Okay. You good? Yes. All right. Go for it. Hi, guys. Hold it, hold it right up. I'm referred to by the Grace Cares crew as one of their graduate as one of their graduates. <laughs> he told me that, and I already forgot. Um, I came to be homeless after a hospitalization in May of 2020, I believe it was. Um, it wasn't called COVID, but I went into the hospital. A reasonably healthy human being hadn't been to the doctor in quite a number of years, and I was admitted with a very high heart rate um, that arose because of blood clots in my lungs. Um, it took, I was there for a little while and um, they took care of all of that. But I had been living in an apartment um, in the basement of a house and it was cheap and it was um, supposed to be temporary. I wasn't really pleased with um, the dampness, the, you know, it just didn't feel exactly healthy. And um, it so happened that my landlady is a, a nurse's aide, which is a, a beautiful, wonderful, amazing, especially then those, those people, those w women and men gave their lives, a lot of them. But I came home one day at an unexpected hour and I found her in full surgical scrubs right outside my door and it concerned me. It was when the nursing homes were really, really struggling 
with COVID and people were dying um, beyond the point where it seemed as if they could be helped. And I thought, I thought, why are you dressed like that at home when you have children and you're, you know, your mother-in-law? It just, I don't know. And maybe it's coincidence. I don't believe in coincidence. But within two weeks, I slowly stopped being able to breathe to the point where I couldn't walk and breathe at the same time. And it caused me to be, that's what caused me to be admitted to the hospital. Now I'm not saying my landlady gave me the blood clots, that's a little stupid. But it just added to a feeling of precariousness about my living situation. Um, after I was released from the hospital, I would come back downstairs to the basement and I, I couldn't breathe. And so I started sleeping in my car in the driveway. Yeah, well, it was okay. I'm, I'm from that generation where everything's an adventure. I'm very lucky that way. <laughs> and um, I had had an exit strategy from that apartment. Um, I had been employed as an ambulance driver and I hurt my knees and I hurt my whole bunch of stuff. And my case had settled and I thought in a couple of months I would have a, you know, a nice check and I'll, I'll go rent someplace where I can be more private, um, perhaps above ground, and, and it'll all be fine. Um, the situation where I was living deteriorated. I don't want to go into it because it wouldn't be polite of me to talk about other people um, that way, but it, it, it didn't get any better. It just got worse and ultimately I decided I, I, I had to get away from there. So I was living in my car, and um, I met Grace Cares, uh, Ginny and Ken, and the whole crew. I was online at Lighthouse, and they were giving out um, flyers about free hot lunch. And anyone who's ever lived without cooking facilities for any length of time knows there are no sweeter words, almost, than free hot lunch. So I went to the outreach, the Grace Cares outreach. They go to several sites in the local Patchogue area, and they give out food like you can't believe. The most amazing pizza you ever had. <laughs> the most amazing pizza. And they also, at that time, I don't know if they're still doing it. It must have been very time consuming, but they used to give out homemade soup. I'll never forget when I looked in my soup container and I could see little tiny pieces of mushrooms like, I, like my grandmother would have chopped up to make homemade soup. Or my daughter, I come from a family of cooks. And I was like, wait a minute, did you guys make this soup for this outreach, really? Um, so that's how I met them. Um, and I believe that I am a graduate of that circumstance a lot because of what I was able to receive from them, this extravagant love that's so godly. It's, it's like the, the agape love that, that God showers upon us is so evident in these guys. And I just want to give you a few examples. Um, I've already mentioned the pizza <laughs> and the soup. Um, it must have been 20, 20 I, don't, I'm, I lose the years. I'm sorry. That's what happens when you get to a certain age. But they, they came out on Thanksgiving and served us Thanksgiving dinner. Thanksgiving, real Thanksgiving dinner with turkey and, and stuffing and, and uh, gravy and the cards, happy Thanksgiving cards from the children you are loved. 
blew my mind. It blew my mind. It was just unbelievable, and that's normal for them. Um, when they distribute food, it's not like, okay, and here I'm going to confess. When I was um, in my former career as a, an office worker, I used to give to charity, quote unquote, and I was like, it was always macaroni and cheese, macaroni and cheese. I know, oh, the kids will love it, they'll eat it. Um, and I never really thought about the fact that poor people need fruit and vegetables and meat. Also, it's not just all macaroni and cheese. And it's not also just, you know, well, whatever. You know, whatever's the cheapest on the shelf and who cares what the date on it is. These guys go to the trouble of going to um, Trader Joe's because Trader Joe's gives out food before it's out of date. So you're going to um, the outreach here at the church and a lot of the stuff you're going to be receiving, if not all, and I don't know this, is still in date. It's stuff you could go into the store and buy it, but probably wouldn't because it's just too beautiful. You wouldn't be like, oh, I'm not going to buy this loaf of bread. Instead, I'm going to buy two of something else cheaper. Um, they give flowers. And you know what it's like to, to just be, oh, gosh, living in your car? <laughs> and somebody hands you a bouquet of flowers. It's like, where am I going to put these? <laughs> but it's, it's the most... I don't know if it's a girl thing, maybe it's a guy thing too, but flowers are, are an extension of love. When you hand somebody flowers, that's a gift of love. It doesn't, you don't even have to say that, that you're loved. It's, it's a gift of love. I mentioned the soup. Oh, the, <laughs> I'll mention the soup over and over again because it wasn't just the mushroom soup. It was when I finally realized that it was homemade, it was every week, every week soup. Um, Several of the ladies chipped to get in together, and they bought me for my car a little heater refrigerator that plugs into my outlet. I'm not kidding. I was like, what? No, I can't take this. What's the matter with you guys? Um, being smiled at and remembered. They're always, Lauren. I'm like, how do you remember me? <laughs> do you need anything? Do you need blankets? All the time all the time without fail. Um, and one thing I particularly love about the outreach here is there's a prayer lady with bright colored cards with scripture on them. <laughs> I, I love that. That's my, you know, I'm grateful for the whole thing, but that just soothes my soul to come to that part of the line and, and get that little card that I can look at for the rest of the day, the rest of the week, whatever. And um, one time, I was texting with Ginny, and we were heading into a blizzard in the fall, or the winter of, it might, have been, it might have been this year, the winter of this year, and she said they were on their way to Trader Joe's in the face of a blizzard warning. I was like, be safe, what, what's, that's, really? And she said to me, she goes, this is not an obligation that we have. This is our passion. It's our purpose to show the love of God yeah. and to take care of one another, to love one another and to take care of one another. That's why we're here. And those words just really stuck with me so much. And the last thing I want to say is becoming housed after you've been homeless is an essential, um, irreplaceable step in normalizing your life. 
however good your attitude is, um, however good your exit plan is, the universe has different ideas a lot of times than we do. And becoming housed is critical. But becoming housed when you're living in your car or God forbid living on the street, it requires uh, determination and hope. And that, that hope and determination have to be sustained. And I'm telling you, the universe tries to beat it out of you. Things go wrong, things unexpected cost money, and I really believe that, you know, I laugh when they call me their graduate, but I feel their hand, I feel the hand of God in their presence with right. me. And um, it, it's, it. it's inescapable, and I just, I'm so grateful. Great. I'm so thankful. Thank you. Fabulous. <laughs> God bless you, Lana. I just can't conceive of spending all that time, especially going through the whole of the winter, uh, just living in your car. But I do know that our Grace Care Outreach and all of our volunteers, Ken and Ginny who direct that, um, were basically a lifeline to Lauren through that time of her life. And thank God now you're settled and you got a job and it's different, right? But what a, what a joy to be able to be there for her. You know, sometimes we say, hey, we serve this many clients a week, or we do so many hot dinners for those in need on Saturdays, and we throw out numbers, and, and you know, they're interesting and they're exciting, but every number's a person, right? And every person's got a story, and every person and their story matters to God, and they matter to us too. There's a, there's a hashtag that, um, if you don't know what hashtags are, don't worry, it's, it's good. <laughs> Um, there's a hashtag that I, I often use in social media posts where we talk about things we do as a church, and the hashtag is simply, it's what we do. It's what we do. And I listened to Lauren's story this morning, and I thank God, it's what we do. That's what we're about. That's what we want to be doing. To go the extra mile in helping and in caring, in supporting, and in offering hope. So I, want, I do want to talk about going the extra mile in giving today. Um, there's a great verse in Acts 20, verse 35. It says this, we must help the weak. Okay, here's the starting point. We must help the weak. Remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive, right? How many of you would agree with that? It's good, if you don't, you're in trouble. That's the Bible, uh, okay, <laughs> right? It's more blessed to give than to receive. And I wanna talk today about the blessings of generosity. I said when we started this series that there needs to be, there, there needs to be something about a church uh, that makes it different. I talked about the purple cow. That's a whole other story for another day if you weren't here. 
But there's going to be something, and, and, and you know, I said one of the things I, 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 I want our church to stand out for and believe our church does stand out for is we stand out because we really care about those that are in need. And if there's another thing about us that should identify us, then to stand out as a church that is generous, and we do. We kind of started off that way. Now, we, you know, we, our church, we're coming on toward, towards our 23rd anniversary. So around this time, 23 years ago, we were putting the final bits in place towards starting a church. I talk to church planters nowadays, and they, they've got the whole thing down to a science. They worked out what they need to get started, how many hundreds of thousands of dollars they need to make it happen, and they've got the whole thing worked out. Someone said to me recently, how much money did you have when you started planning Genesis? I said, none. <laughs> none, not a dime, not a dime. I left the church situation I was in. I didn't have anything. So I didn't have an income for myself. I had nothing. And the amazing thing is, though, uh, once we'd started on this journey to start this church, within a couple of weeks, I received some amazing gifts, and, and we, we received $40,000 in a few weeks to get us ready, because you need a lot of stuff to do church, even if it's not as complicated as all the bells and whistles we've got now. You need a lot of stuff, and we didn't have any stuff. I was already committed at that time of the year, uh, back in 1998, to actually go and visit missionary friends of ours in Spain. Johnny and Eliana White, they've been here. Some of you remember them. And they had planted a church in Spain, and we're doing really well over there. And while I was with them, um, we were just having a conversation, and John said, I, I need to look at, um, I, I need to take a look at computers. Our computer's gone kaput and uh, we need one. But I, you know, he said, we can't get one just now because we don't have any money. And so we went and we looked around this place at computers. Now, back a few years ago, computers cost more than they do now. You remember that? So, so the whole, you know, I said to him, well, what's it going to cost? So he, we did the whole thing with the person in the store. Computer, printer, monitor, $4,000. He said, yeah, that's going to be a long time coming. And then a battle started waging in my head. Because I'm no mathematician, but 4,000 is a tithe of 40,000. It's a tenth, right? And so I start thinking, maybe I should give the tenth of what's come in to help them. And then the other side of me said, don't be so stupid, it's all you've got. <laughs> Anyway, long story short, that battle went on for several minutes, and it kept going, and it kept going, and then I said to John, I said, order it, we'll pay for it. And, and here's the thing, that was the first money we ever had as a church. Generosity was the starting point for this church, and continues to be something for which we stand out. In Romans 8 verse 32, it tells us this, if God didn't hesitate to put everything on the line for us, embracing our condition and exposing himself to the worst by sending his son, is there anything else he wouldn't gladly and freely do for us? So here's the bottom line. The Bible is reminding us God is unbelievably generous. 
God gave us the best he could. He gave us his son. And if God gave us his son, is there anything or is there any way in which he will hold anything back from us? Our God is a generous God. 1 Timothy 6, 17. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant or to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. So if you got money, don't make money the big thing in your life. Make God the big thing in your life because God is essentially the one who provides for us and gives us, richly provides us with everything. Because of what God has done for us, and how God is to us, God's people should be people who go the second mile in generosity. And as followers of Jesus, that's what we do. It's not what everybody does, but it's what we do. I do want to point this out though, giving and being generous can be two different things. In fact, to take the analogy or the story that I centered this series around, giving is going a mile. Being generous is going the extra mile. And God wants us to live from a heart that is giving. And I'm going to tell you this, generosity is a cycle. Because here's what Jesus said. He said, uh, Loretta, I'm just going to warn you, I'm going to be all over the place with this teaching today for putting stuff on the screen because I'm trying to edit it, because we're a little later than usual, but um, you got this. Uh, so so Jesus, here's, here's what Jesus said. Je, Je, Jesus said. Jesus said, if you give, it will be given to you. Right? It's a cycle. And, and, and Jesus said, if you give, it will be given to you. And he said, what's going to be given to you is more than you gave. It'll be kind of an abundance is what you'll receive. So actually, generosity becomes a cycle in our lives. When I was a, a young pastor, I used to pride myself. I prided myself for years that I, I went, I think, about seven years as a pastor, my first seven years, and I never, ever preached on giving. And I was proud of myself because I wasn't one of those pastors. <laughs> oh, you met them too. Okay. <laughs> All right. And, and I was. I was proud of myself because I wasn't... You know, so, so that, was, that was where I was at. And then one day, I remember it so clearly. I'm, re I'm, reading, I'm, re I'm reading the book of Malachi, right? So I'm reading Malachi 3.10. Some of you have heard for years and some of you have heard abused for years. God says, God says through Malachi, he says, bring your full tithe to the temple treasury. So that means a tenth of your income. Bring your full tithe to the temple treasury so there will be ample provisions in my temple. Test me in this and see if I don't open up heaven itself to you and pour out blessings beyond your wildest dreams. So I'm reading Malachi 3 and I read through this verse and suddenly the second half of it hits me. God says, I'll open up heaven itself to you and pour out blessings beyond your wildest dreams. And suddenly I'm realizing, because I never talked about giving, I never talked to folks about a way in which they could be blessed beyond their wildest dreams. 
But that's God's promise. Because generosity opens up a whole cycle. And as we give to God, and as we give to God's work, there is incredible blessing that's open to us. Most people give, but generosity is something that needs to grow and to be learned. I I want those of you that are not there yet, I want you to grow to become abundant givers. You know why? Because God will open up the windows of heaven on you and bless you, and I want you to be blessed. Those of you that have grasped this, I want to encourage you to keep going. Enjoy God's abundance. Don't let it go. So here's what I want to do. I want to outline. That was just the introduction for those of you looking at the clock already. All right, so here's the thing. Okay, so I want to talk to you, and and I'll keep this brief, about three ways of faithfully giving and showing generosity. The first is this. You can go the extra mile, go to, by giving spontaneously. Our church family are great at that. A few weeks ago, I said, our Grace Care Outreach wants to help our clients who've got children going back to school. And uh, if you could could fill a backpack or get a backpack and fill it for a student going back to school, then what we'd like you to do is go and take the name and details of a student from a table at the back afterwards and, and, and bring it back in a few weeks' time. And do and you know what? By the time you'd all finished, there were people who were asking, aren't there any more kids? Because they were, you know, we had more people that were willing to help than we had children that needed that help. And, and you didn't come to church that Sunday morning thinking, oh, they're going to ask about backpacks today, and I think I'm going to do that. You hadn't heard about it until I mentioned it. But spontaneously, you took the thing up. And actually, what we were able to do was it was just last week, right, that they were, those were given out through our pantry. And we also had, we had an incredible supply of other backpacks given to us. So you know what the, the, the kids got? They got the backpack with all their school supply that you need to be a power lifter to put on your back in the first place, right? And then they got another empty backpack that they can use for their gym supplies and they take all that stuff to school as well. Isn't that fantastic? That's spontaneous giving. You weren't thinking about it, but you heard about it, and you went for it. It's really living out 1 John 3, 17, which says this. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? If God's love is in you and you've got the wherewithal, then actually you're going to show compassion to those that are in need. Spontaneous giving. Galatians 6.10 puts it this way. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people. As we have opportunity, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Spontaneous giving. Then I just want to chat to you about going the extra mile. Go to by giving strategically. Spontaneously is good, but to add on to that, strategic giving is good. So many times over the years, I've had people say to me, I wish I could give more, 
And you know what? I'm going to say this to you. You could give more if you plan to give more. But it never just happens. I got an email just a couple of weeks ago telling me I only had a matter of days to register for the, the um, what do they call it, the Great South Bay Race, the half marathon in September. I know, you're laughing, saying, why do you get that, all right? Well, okay, I actually, I actually ran it four years ago. That's why, that's why I got it, like, right? Okay, so, so I got that, and I looked at the email, and I, I, I reflected on my glory days. And, um, but here's the thing. Once I decided four years ago that I was going to run that half marathon, I didn't suddenly show up on a Saturday morning you know, with my sneakers on and think, okay, fire the starting pistol, let's get this going. That's not what happened. When I registered months ahead of it, I downloaded a training schedule for a half marathon that took me through the next few months. I was meticulous about my diet. And I trained for all those months, and it happened. If I signed up in June and sh just showed up in September, it wouldn't have happened. It was one thing to say, I'd love to do a half marathon, but it was another thing altogether to actually make sure it happened. Are you with me? Now, here's the thing. You can say, well, I'd love to give more, and you could say, I'd love to give more till Jesus comes back. But the way to give more is to plan to give more. How are you going to make it happen? How are you going to make it happen? I tell you a key part. A key part is to prioritize your giving. So your giving doesn't become, a, you know, just a haphazard kind of thing when you remember. And, you know, it's very easy nowadays to forget when, you know, an offering bucket, offering bucket isn't passed on a Sunday. And, you know, it, you, know, did I, you know, did I give anything this month or this week or did I whatever? But make, you know, planning to give. It's strategic. From the time I received my first ever paycheck when I had a summer job at the age of 15, I've given a tenth of that into the work of God. Because the Bible says the tithe belongs to the Lord, and I've done it. And I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm standing here today, and I'm doing okay. Amen. Right? I'm doing okay. Now, if your giving comes last at the end of the month with what's less, with what's left, you, 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 you won't be able to give as you want to give. You need to plan your giving. It needs to be strategic. If it's a case of digging in your pocket on a Sunday and pulling out what cash is there and saying, what can I do without, and put it in the box, that's one way to give. But if you really want to give more, you've got to be strategic about it and plan it. Here's what it says in Isaiah 32, verse 8. A generous man devises, that is, plans generous things. And by generosity, he will stand. If you want to be generous, you've got a plan to be generous, and then you're going to be, it's going to become an established way of life for you. We generally plan what we're going to spend. Like, okay, next month I'm going to buy this. 
I'm not saying that's bad, but I am saying this. The way to be generous in giving is to plan what you're going to give. And then let me say this thirdly. Plan to give spontaneously. Plan to give specifically, strategically. But also plan to give sacrificially. In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 12, it says this. It says, a, a poor widow came up and put in two small coins. That's into the offering. A measly two cents. Jesus called his disciples over and said, the truth is, that poor widow gave more to the collection than all the others put together. Now, Jesus was watching. Now, there's something that, that, that I wondered about reading this story years ago, and that is, Jesus knew she was a poor widow. Jesus knew she didn't have much. Why didn't he say to her, you, you know what, your two cents, you just keep it because you obviously need it. But he didn't because he didn't want to rob her of the blessing of giving sacrificially. Because don't forget, if you give, it will be given back to you more than you gave. So Jesus didn't want to stop her from giving her two cents because to stop her would be to stop the means that was going to be a blessing to her. And I remember a number of years ago, I was preaching in northern Ontario and uh, I'd gone up there uh, and uh, I was there for a couple of days. We were doing a couple of nights of special services, and I stayed with the pastor and his wife in their home and had a wonderful time with them. The next year, I was over this side. We were still living in Scotland at that time. I was over this side of the Atlantic, and they asked me to go back to this church, and Jill was traveling with me then. And so the pastor met us when we landed at the airport in Sudbury, and we got there, and... Um, we got in his car. He said, you sit up front. And so Joe goes in the back, and then he turned around and said to his wife, have you got it? She said, yeah, give me a second. And I kind of half turned around to see what she's got. And she was holding a piece of string that was coming in through the car window. So I said to him, is that what's holding this car together? <laughs> Ever the wise guy. And he said, well, kind of. He said, that's holding the muffler up. <laughs> and he said, and, 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 and you know, once he started the engine, I realized, he said, we really need, I really need a, a muffler, but I can't afford it just now. So we're good. We're good. So I think we're going to head to their home again, but we didn't head to their home. They took us to a Sheraton. And he said, we want you to stay here. I said, okay, if it's more convenient. And then he went to the desk, whatever. We went upstairs to a suite in the Sheraton. And I said to him, we don't need this. Like, <laughs> again, I'm not that pastor, okay? I, we, we don't need this. I'm good. I said, you know, I love staying with you guys, enjoy being in your home if that was convenient. And he said, no, no, we just felt we really wanted to bless you. And, and, and I said, well, you could use this money and fix your car. He said, no, no, I felt God told us to bless you. And I left it there. Because sometimes you just got to keep your mouth shut and let people bless you. Because the bottom line is God is no man's debtor. And God will repay people when they are generous. And... That 
was sacrificial giving. There is a great blessing in giving sacrificially. So I'm going to be obnoxious now and ask you, when was the last time you enjoyed that blessing? That is second mile giving. As your pastor, I'm going to encourage you to be generous. And it isn't because the church needs money. I'm going to encourage you to be generous because that's how our Father is and because our generosity sets up a cycle of generosity in our life. Now, for those of you that are visiting with us today, we're so glad you're here. Imagine that. You came in on the Sunday that the pastor's talking about money, right? <laughs> it's, it's like... I couldn't have planned this worse if I tried, all right? I'll just remind you, I was going to do this last week when you would not have been here, okay? So, but I hope you're hearing our heart through this. Let me tell you or remind you of what we don't do here. We don't pass an offering plate multiple times. Heck, we don't pass one at all now, right? Because actually, because so many of you give strategically, we are able as a church to give spontaneously from time to time. So when we become aware of a need, we're able to meet that need straight away. A, a, a couple of months ago, I was on the phone talking to Richard Conte, who, who runs the um, Rehab Teen Challenge program in Guatemala City, and we support Rich and Janet. And I was talking to Rich, and he said... Uh, I was asking him how things were. He said, good, the government's given me a hard time because I've overstayed my visa here because I can't get out of the country because of COVID to renew it. I said, so are they giving you grace? He said, well, they are, but they're fining me every day I'm here. So I said, wow. He said, well, it's, it's not a huge sum, but they're backdating it. So he said, now they're telling me I owe them $2,000. And he said, I, you know, he said, and that's increasing every day. And I said, it'll be in your bank account tomorrow. Amen. You know why? Because you give strategically. We are able to give spontaneously. And we took a huge burden off that man's back by helping him pay something. He Listen, what we send them every month basically is the total support that they've got to live in doing this incredible work in Guatemala City. But because you give strategically, we can give spontaneously. We don't pass the bucket millions of times. We don't get behind on our bills. In fact, some of you have been here with us now for most of those 23 years, and you know there's never one time where I've stood up here and say, you know, we're, we're, we're struggling to meet our budget. If you could give a bit more, it'd be really helpful. Haven't done that. Haven't done that. We are good stewards of your commitment to God and to the work of God and to the kingdom of God. But I will tell you, let me tell you what we do do. I trust that as your pastor you would say, I model generosity personally. When I die, I don't believe they'll be able to put a lot of nice things on my gravestone and then on the bottom, but he was cheap. <laughs> I don't think they'll be able to do that. I, I hope those of you who know me well would say he models generosity. 
And that's the pathway that we go down as a church. What we'll do is I'm always going to encourage you and inspire you to be generous because I'm convinced it's more blessed to give than to receive. What we will do is we will wisely steward the resources that are given. I'm not talking about money today because the church is in need. I'm not talking about money because we can't pay our bills. We do not owe a dime to anybody. We are totally current with every single one of our bills, and that's the way we've been able to live by the grace of God for 23 years. So why am I talking about money today? Well, in general, I'm talking about money because I just want to remind you that generosity is a pathway to blessing. But I'm also talking about money because we said during this series in August, when we're focusing on grace care and on going the extra mile, we said that over this weekend, we would take a special offering, all our gifts that come in over this weekend will go to supporting and to maximizing everything that we can do to reach out to the many, many folks in Lauren's situation and be a blessing and support and a help to them in their time of need. So that's why I'm talking about money today. I'm encouraging you to be generous in your giving this weekend. Yes, I am. I am. But I want you to know what we're talking about is investing in people, most of whom aren't even here this morning. But they need to know that when they're at their lowest, God cares. They matter. And that we love them. They need to know that. Generosity in giving. Because God is so good to us, we want to reflect the nature of our Heavenly Father. Give spontaneously as opportunity arises. Hey, that might be this morning for you. Give strategically. Plan your giving. And if you want to give more, plan to give more. The only way it will happen. And from time to time, give sacrificially. So let me talk about that half marathon. You say, why do you talk about it? Some of you heard me talk about it forever. If you'd done a half marathon, you'd talk about it forever. <laughs> Darn. I got the 13.1 sticker on the back of my car because I did it. All right? So let me talk to you about it. When I crossed the finishing line that Saturday morning, I was exhausted. I was actually shaking. I had to lean against my car because I thought I was going to fall over. My legs felt like they couldn't do another step. I was done. But I felt darn good. I felt darn good. And that is sacrificial giving. It hurt me a bit, but it's good but it's good. Bless God I was able to do that. One of the things this church stands out for is this is a generous body of people. And I'm going to tell you, I love that about you. I love that about you. You're on board. You know what it's about. You care about those that are in need 
And you know church isn't about us. Church is about those who really need what we have found through Jesus. Keep being generous and keep being a blessing. Let's pray together.